The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, episode number 28. Hi, everyone. I hope everybody is doing good out there and staying safe. This week, I did a solo Q&A again. And I went over some of the common fears that we have during labor because I know very well (laughs) that labor and delivery is like nothing that you've really experienced before if you've never experienced it. And it can come with a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear. This is completely normal, okay? Anytime you go into something that you've never done before, it's normal to feel some anxiety and feel some fear. That's why I stress education so heavily because if you're educated on a subject that you're fearful of, most likely that's going to help you take away some of that fear. So that is really what my whole brand is about. That's what my whole Instagram is about. That's what my courses are about and my podcast. I just want to help you guys ease some of that anxiety. So this podcast episode is all about fear and I really, you know, through the time that I've been a labor and delivery nurse and I've been mommy labor nurse on Instagram, I've seen that there are a few just very common fears. So we're going to address those today. We're going to address pooping. Will I poop? What happens if I poop? Uh, What if I tear? How bad will I tear? What if I have to have a C-section? What happens then? How bad does labor actually hurt? What if it's too late to get an epidural? And how does a baby actually fit through your vagina? Really scary stuff, but once we break it down and once I explain it more to you guys, I have a feeling by the end of this episode, you're going to feel a lot more secure in what you're about to go through. Before we get into this episode, I did want to give a big shout out to my friend Tiffany, my newest employee, Tiffany. She's a a very good friend and also she works for me now. She just delivered her second baby boy on Tuesday of this week and she did awesome. I actually was was at work when she delivered and I was in the room and I helped take some pictures for her of him um, and she just did so, so amazing. So Big congratulations to Tiffany. And I also wanted to let you guys know if you're listening to this on Monday when it comes out, you still have time to snag that sale that's been going on this whole weekend. My newborn basics class is out. Okay, it's been on sale for the whole weekend for 40% off. And if you don't have my one of my birth courses already, you can also bundle the two together. So there's a bundle option in there as well. This newborn basics class I worked really, really hard on this past month. I spent a lot of time just typing up so much stuff and trying to gather so much information about newborn basics and about what it's like to care for a newborn and answering a lot of these questions that you as maybe a first time mom just, you know, you you just don't know. You just kind of have to learn how to take care of a baby. So we go over stuff like how to cut baby's nails, you know, what are the best recommendations for this and that? How often do you have to do tummy time? How often do you have to feed? How often do you have to diaper? 
what are some of the common abnormalities and characteristics that newborns have? Like, what are these weird spots on my baby's face and all of that good stuff? It's just got a lot of great in-depth information. It also comes with a full ebook of the course that it's actually over 200 pages, guys. <laughs> it's kind of crazy how much information um, newborns kind of come with. I didn't even realize that there was that much information that I learned <laughs> when I had a newborn. So yeah, really, really great course. I hope you guys jump on that if you are still pregnant or if you're new mom, you know, new parent, and you want to get some basics information under your belt, definitely jump on that sale. And that course is live at mommylabornurse.com slash newborn dash basics. The code to save is newborn day. Okay, it's just one word and you can save 40% off just a single purchase. And then the bundle, if you want to bundle either of my prenatal courses with the newborn course, that bundle is also still on sale until midnight tonight for 10% off. And the code to save is bundle day. Okay, all, again, all one word. Really excited. I hope you guys jump on that. Sorry for the long intro, but let's get into today's episode. You're listening to the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast, where we firmly believe in the power of education when it comes to giving birth. Tune in each week as we dive into pregnancy-related topics, expert interviews, and a variety of birth stories. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Please see mommylabornurse.com slash disclaimer for more details. And now, here's your host, educator, registered nurse, and fellow mom, Liesl Teen. This episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast was sponsored by Kindred Bravely. Kindred Bravely is a company built on love, a love that is poured into every piece of clothing that they bring to life. Their clothes are meticulously designed to make your motherhood journey easier from the bump to the breast and beyond. They have two goals, creating maternity and nursing clothes that are beautiful, useful, and comfortable, and building a community of moms who support and encourage each other on their motherhood journey. I have a few of their bras personally, and I I am obsessed with them. <laughs> I think we all realize, especially as we get older, the importance of a really, really good bra, no matter how big or small your boobs are. And we all have those certain bras or pieces of clothing in general in our closets that are our favorites and that we always go to. And I that's definitely how I feel about my Cringer Bravely bras. I'm all about comfort. Um and support, but more about comfort. And I just think Kendra Bravely just does such a good job with the comfortableness of their clothes. One thing that I think is really, really cool that they're doing right now is that they have actually donated over $500,000 worth of their hands-free pumping and nursing bras to moms who are working in healthcare during this crazy pandemic that we are going through, just kind of as a thank you for what they do every day. So as a healthcare provider who's not currently breastfeeding, but as a healthcare provider, I want to say thank you to them for doing that because that is just super cool. If you're interested in anything Kindred Bravely, they did give me a code for you guys for 20% off anything on their site, excluding bundles and gift cards. The code is MLN20 and you can just go to kindredbravely.com. And now let's get back to today's episode. All right, so fear. 
fear is a big hindrance in labor and a lot of first-time moms, a lot of second-time moms, a lot of third-time moms, a lot of moms who are about to give birth are very, very afraid of giving birth. One of the main parts of my job as a labor and delivery nurse is answering tons of questions about the delivery process. I not only do this at work, okay, with my own patients, but I answer lots of questions via DM and via email. And this is just a very common theme that I see that people are afraid. Whether it's baby number one or it's baby number 10, I can totally guarantee that you'll probably have at least one question to ask your nurse during your stay at the hospital or birth center. The reality is really no labor is exactly the same and no baby is exactly the same. And because of that, a lot of times we're very, very afraid of what's about to happen. I can't tell you how many patients I've had comment that this is so different from the first time or this is so different from the second time. And just like anything in life, with difference comes a lot of questions. And that's totally okay. I love answering questions. That's one of the main reasons that started my whole brand. I really, really, truly love to educate. That is one of my favorite parts of my job as a nurse. I love to stress the importance of education to you guys because being informed about your delivery will not only make you more confident, but it will also help to ease some of this anxiety and some of this dread that revolves around giving birth. Because let's face it, like I said in the intro, giving birth for the first time or the 10th time maybe is nerve wracking for everyone. But reading, asking questions, engulfing yourself in the world of birth during your pregnancy and educating yourself will make it a hundred times better and will make at least most or some of this anxiety that you have go away. I promise. So after being present in so many deliveries over my years as a labor and delivery nurse, I've come to realize that there are a few common questions <laughs> that are a little bit more popular than others, especially among first-time moms. And I said them in the intro, but we're going to go over them one by one here. So number one, will I poop <laughs> during labor? And what happens if I poop? So if you deliver vaginally and you're pushing out your baby, you're probably going to poop at least a little bit, okay? I'm not saying definitely yes, everyone, every single person who delivers poops, but there's a fair chance that a little bit will come out as you're pushing your baby out. Really, the reality is that pushing a baby out feels extremely similar to pushing poop out. You're using all of the same muscles. Babies also have very big heads that push down on your rectum. So any poop that is hanging out in there is going to come out. It just anatomically makes sense, okay? Your vagina is right next to your rectum, okay? So if there's a big, large baby head in there <laughs> and it's putting a lot of pressure on your rectum, it's gonna feel like you have to poop or it's gonna push whatever poop is in there out. Many women do have diarrhea episodes in early labor, however, and it's quite possible that your body will kind of cleanse itself of any poop that's just kind of chilling up in there, <laughs> This definitely happened to me. I definitely had some diarrhea before I went into labor and kind of in early labor, but I'm pretty sure I still probably pooped a little bit when I was delivering, but I'm not 100% positive. <laughs> you know, I was just like so uh, think not thinking about that. <laughs> And that brings up another really great point too. Um, in all likelihood, you may not even realize that you poop during pushing if you do. 
Sometimes I have patients that poop quite a lot and it can be very obvious to others in the room uh, just with the smell, (laughs) but I try to do a very good job of just cleaning up the poo just kind of as it comes out to get rid of any smell or, you know, just to get rid of the poop. (laughs) Also, if you're pooping while you're pushing, you're pushing effectively or you're probably pushing effectively. So you're going to have a baby soon. And the fact that you just pooped will soon be something that you completely forget, I promise. Once you are holding your baby, which will likely be very soon after you poop, (laughs) you will forget about the poop and everybody in the room will forget about the poop. So yeah, that kind of answers the question about poop. Will you poop? Probably, but it's probably going to only be a little bit. And if it's a lot, nobody's really going to care. Question number two. Okay. What if I tear? How bad will I tear? What's the whole deal with tearing? It's pretty safe to say if you're having your first baby, okay, even if you're having your second or third or maybe you're V-backing, you'll most likely tear a little bit down there. I have seen some first-time moms who don't tear at all. They don't have any perineal tears, don't have any labial tears, nothing, but the majority of them do tear just a little bit. I think the current statistic is like 80% of first-time moms do tear at least a little bit. If you have an epidural during labor, that's great. We don't usually need to give you any additional medication to stitch you up, you know, down there after you tear. If you've labored without one and you've torn, typically your provider will administer just a local anesthetic. It's typically lidocaine, okay? And she'll administer that, wait for you to numb up for a few minutes, and then repair your tear. And I know tearing your vagina sounds super, super scary. Completely empathize with people who are totally afraid of this because, hello, that's your vagina. Who wants to tear their vagina? That sounds horrifying. And before I scare you with kind of these degrees of tearing, I'm going to go into detail of what, um, how we grade them. Um, I want you to know that most commonly, if you do have a tear, okay, it's going to either be a first degree tear or a second degree tear, okay? The third and the fourth degrees don't happen as frequently, okay? So the first degree is the least severe, okay? It's only involving the skin of your perineum. It's kind of like getting a rug burn. (laughs) That's what I kind uh, kind of compare it to. A second degree tear is gonna go a little bit deeper and that's going to just involve the skin, so rug burn, and then the muscles around your perineum. So first degree and second degree, those are the most common tears, okay? If you tear, that's probably how you're gonna tear. I think the stat is like 93% of people who tear uh, are going to either have a first or a second degree tear. The scary tears, the third degrees and the fourth degrees, third degree is even deeper into those muscles that surround your perineum and surround your anus, okay? But it's not completely good. It's not completely tearing through your anus. It's just kind of tearing into the muscles. And then a fourth degree is the most severe, but it's the most rare, okay? And that is the deepest tear, and that completely tears completely through your perineal muscles, your anal muscles, and it leaves, you know, a tiny hole in between. So that sounds horrifying, but again, very, very rare, okay? It definitely does happen. I've seen, you know, a few in my practice, of course, 
but most of them are again going to be those first or second degree tears. If you're a first time moms, most first time moms will have a second degree tear. Okay, we've seen those are mostly associated with first time moms. Your provider will do this immediately after you deliver, after you've gotten nice and numb down there, either from the local anesthetic or from your epidural. And the stitches are completely dissolvable, so it's not like you have to go back and get them taken out or anything. I do have a whole post dedicated to preventing tearing and what to know, kind of the ins and outs of tearing. And I'm going to link that in the show notes page for you guys to check out as well, because oftentimes people are just, this is something that you want to just know as much information as you possibly can, uh, because it's really, really scary. So that link is in the show notes page for you guys to check out. All right. So number three, is the fear of having a C-section, okay? First of all, C-sections are not bad, okay? We try to avoid them if possible, okay? But they're not bad. If you have to have a C-section, there's probably a very good reason that you need to have your C-section. But oftentimes this is a fear that people have going into labor and they, you know, let's say you've been laboring for a really long time, something happens or baby's not doing super stable during labor, we're going to do our best to try and prepare you for a C-section. And in most cases, in most rooms, it this isn't these aren't emergency C-sections, okay? It's not like nobody's talking to you at all. You don't even have the hint or clue that you're going to have a C-section and automatically, bam, we have to go back to the OR. If you need to have a C-section, the word C-section has probably already at least been thrown around in your room. On rarity, of course, we do have emergency situations where women come in very quickly laboring, baby's very unstable, and there's not a whole lot of time, and we don't have a lot of time to really mentally prepare you for a C-section because we just have to get baby out as quickly as possible because he or she is in distress. In all likelihood, though, if you end up having a C-section because of some, you know, something during your labor, you weren't planning, it was, it's an unplanned C-section, your provider has been talking to you about having a C-section for a while, at least a little while. Your nurse has been talking about, uh, hey, it's kind of looking like maybe this might be an option before you actually have one. And this is regardless of the reason, failure to progress, maybe you get stuck at a certain centimeter for a long time, baby's heart rate isn't super stable, or you've been pushing for quite a while. Just remember that if you end up having to have a C-section, it is going to be okay, okay? Generally, if you've chosen a skilled provider and you trust your provider, his or her reasoning to do a C-section on you is because that it's the safest way to get baby out on the outside in your situation. And really the number one thing, honestly, you should take away (laughs) from this podcast and this little spiel is that I want you to choose your provider wisely and I want you to trust them. I'm also going to leave another link in the show notes page for you to check out if you're more interested in C-sections and you want to kind of learn the process. I've written a whole article on my blog about the whole process. I've really gone into detail on, you know, the whole, how the whole thing goes from start to finish, you know, from my point of view as a nurse. And I think it's really going to ease your mind if you read that. Okay, number four, how bad does labor actually hurt? So unfortunately, 
you know, you guys know this, probably, if you've been a fan of mine for a while, you know, I don't like to sugarcoat stuff. Okay. Um, So when I talk about labor, and I talk about labor contractions or pushing baby out, this is painful. Okay, there's no if ands or buts to kind of go around it. If you get an epidural and you have a good working epidural, it's going to make the process a lot less painful. But it's probably still going to be one of the most painful experiences you go through. Um, but it's for a good reason. Okay, you're, you're having your baby. But of course, pain, just like anything, I mean, any sort of pain that you have in your body is scary. Pain is really, really scary. That's a super, super common uh, fear that people have that, oh my gosh, I'm scared that it's just going to hurt so bad and I'm not going to know what to do. Personally, I think it's it is hard to describe exactly how labor is going to go, okay? Because everybody kind of experiences labor a little bit differently and you won't really know what a true labor contraction feels like until you have them. But personally, I thought early labor was a lot like having really bad menstrual cramps, okay? And then as labor progressed and I got more and more dilated, it felt more like knives (laughs) in my back um, and in my stomach. And eventually it was just kind of so bad that I, I don't we have amnesia. <laughs> we have a birth amnesia for a reason. It's just really, really bad that you just you just kind of forget about it and you kind of block it out. But I don't want that to scare you and I don't want you to get too nervous. It's horrible. It's horrible pain. Okay, but it's doable. We've been given birth for thousands of years, millions of years, I don't know, a long time. Okay, and it's definitely not impossible. Okay, you will get through it. It's going to be hard, but having lots of support and lots of positive energy in your room is going to make it a lot easier. For me personally, I didn't get an epidural during my labor and I thought it was so much of a mental game. Labor is truly one of the biggest mental games that you'll go through in your entire life. And I love to give this little tip, especially in my birth courses, Um, but if you have the ability to kind of clear your mind during labor, use this to your advantage because your mind can sometimes be your worst enemy in labor. Um, At least it was for me and for many of my patients. You know, you just kind of have all these thoughts circling about XYZ. So if you're having negative thoughts, really try and focus on clearing your mind, clearing your thoughts, and just focus on labor. Clearing your mind and other types of mental tricks are really what I like to teach so heavily in my, especially my natural course, but I talk about them in my epidural course as well. So if you're interested in that, definitely head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast. And that is where both my courses are if you're interested in doing some education. All right. Speaking of epidurals, let's go to the next question. So the next fear is what if it's too late to get my epidural? So Yes. Unfortunately, this happens quite a lot, okay? Um, you can't be married to your epidural when you come in because sometimes you just you just go a little too fast to get one. Fortunately, it does happen more often to women having their second or third or fourth or fifth time babies, but it does happen to first-time moms as well. The thing with epidurals is there's really no set amount of centimeters that you you would be for your nurse to kind of tell you that it's a little bit too late. It's just kind of how your labor pattern is going and it depends really on the situation. I've had patients that get epidurals 
at 10 centimeters. But, you know, this patient had been laboring and pushing for a long time. And it was clear we still had a little ways to go. But she wanted to try an an epidural to kind of relax things and see if that would help. And guess what? It did. (laughs) But on the contrary, I've also not been able to get women epidurals at seven centimeters or five centimeters because she was just two centimeters five minutes ago. And I I just, you know, she she's not sitting still. She and she's like literally about to have a baby and she's just going really, really fast. So if this event happens to you, the best thing for you to do in that moment is to just accept the pain. Okay. And trust your nurse, trust your care team. Luckily, if it's really truly too late to get an epidural, you don't have to deal with this pain for too much, (laughs) too much time until you meet your little baby. Okay. I'm talking less than an hour, usually, um, even usually much less than this and you'll be done. Okay. It's going to suck in the moment. Okay. Especially if you had your heart set on your epidural, but sometimes babies make their own plans and they just like to catapult into the world. (laughs) All right. So this last question is how does a baby actually fit? through my vagina. (laughs) This is also a common fear. I get it. It doesn't logically make sense that an eight pound uh, human (laughs) fits through a a small opening. That, That just doesn't make sense, right? I think every first time mom and probably second or third or anytime moms um, wonders this, how exactly does a five to 10 pound baby fit down there? It just doesn't make sense, but actually it does, okay? It may look like a small opening on the outside, but it has big potential, guys, okay? Your vagina was actually built to adapt accordingly, okay? It will stretch, it will stretch very, very big. In fact, the biggest hurdle is not actually your vagina, okay? Your, your vagina is going to stretch, okay? But it's getting baby underneath your pelvis and underneath your pelvic bone and through your pelvis. I've never actually met a woman who couldn't give birth through her small vagina. It either tears or in extreme cases, your doctor will perform an episiotomy. I have met plenty of women who couldn't give birth through their tight pelvises, because pelvis is bone. It will hold a baby back. Your vagina is just muscle and, and skin and it will stretch. Occasionally, we do see women that cannot give birth vaginally, okay? And this is due to a condition called cephalopelvic disproportion, CPD. You may be familiar with this if you've given birth before and you had to have a C-section and you maybe you were progressing and then all of a sudden you got stalled at a certain number, your doctor may have thrown around this word. This basically means that your baby's head is not going to proportionally fit through your pelvis, okay? And you'll have to end up having a C-section. It's not necessarily that your pelvis is too small. It's more about it just not you know, baby's head isn't the right way or baby's head isn't, you know, fitting and it's just the wrong proportion. Because really, if you have a small pelvis, you still can give birth vaginally. It's it's more about proportion. Unfortunately, it's nearly impossible to diagnose this CPD before labor. Um, but if you're concerned about it, definitely speak with your provider. There have been many providers that have said to many women, 
oh, I think you kind of have a small pelvis. Let you know, maybe we should just schedule a C-section. And that is a myth. Okay, we talk about that extensively in my VBAC episode. Um, with the VBAC link, I interviewed the girls Julie and Megan from the VBAC link, and they dispelled this myth. So, if you if this was you or maybe had this happen to you or you want to learn more about it, definitely tune into that episode. And that is episode number 23. Okay, we go over a lot of those like weird myths. <laughs> and you know that my baby is too small for my pelvis. That is a myth. On another note, true CPD, okay, is actually quite rare. Labeled CPD, happens very much more often, often these days, usually because of labor interventions, okay? Uh, you you know, you get your water broken, Pitocin, epidurals, inductions, all of this stuff. So with that said, if you're concerned about your pelvis possibly being, you know, labeled or possibly having the CPD, my best three tips are to try and labor without the use of an epidural go into labor spontaneously and labor at home as long as possible. Really just trying to decrease as many interventions as you possibly can. That way you give your baby the best possible shot of having a vaginal delivery without having interventions. And with epidurals, this hasn't been shown necessarily. Um, But when I say labor without the use of an epidural, I say labor either without the use of an epidural or get a get a labor epidural kind of late in the game. Because some people are, you know, they want epidurals. I get that. (laughs) I'm not saying you absolutely cannot deliver vaginally if you have a small pelvis with an epidural. On another note, baby's head definitely molds, okay? If you know what molding is, baby has these bones in, in his head or in her head. And there's these things called sutures. And it's basically that there's like two bone plates on baby's heads and they can overlap and and this is called molding. So they kind of mold and shape to your pelvis so they can fit through. If you've ever seen a baby with a cone head, (laughs) this is kind of what I'm talking about. So yeah, that is it for fears. Those are definitely the most common fears that I have found um, during labor. And I hope I've kind of addressed and answered some of them. My goal personally as your nurse, as your labor and delivery nurse, is to be your sounding board and to be your source for questions because I know you have a ton, okay? And it's okay. We got we got your back, okay? <laughs> if you've ever got a burning pregnancy or labor question that you're afraid to bring up with your provider, yeah, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'm always available via email. I can't directly answer medical questions, but I do like help dispelling myths and I do like answering general questions about labor. So send me an email at hello at mommylabornurse.com. Send me a DM, leave me a comment on one of my posts. I've already had lots of women write to me um, personally, and I'd be glad to answer any questions that you have. I've already had many women write to me, send me emails, leave me DMs, or leave me comments personally, and I would be glad to assist you in any way possible. That is it for this episode. I hope to see you guys next week. Are you looking for birth education? 
Did you know that I have two fabulous birth courses that are super affordable? Well, I do. Head over to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast to take a short quiz to see which birth class is for you. When you purchase either birth course, you'll have full access to it forever. And that means it will never expire and you can access it throughout any stage of your pregnancy or for any subsequent pregnancies that you have. You'll also gain free access to my Facebook group, linked to the class where you can ask questions about your pregnancy, share your birth story after you give birth, read other people's birth stories, and get to know other members who are in the course. There is also a money back guarantee, so if you are at all unsatisfied with your purchase, please, please send me an email at hello at mommylaborers.com for a full refund. There's really no risk to signing up, and I promise you will learn a ton about what's to come when you give birth. As a listener of this podcast, you automatically get 20% off any purchase if you use the code PODCASTLISTENER. I've had tons of moms just like you enter these birth courses and have fabulous, wonderful, empowering births because they feel so much more educated about what's to happen. So if you are at all curious about birth education, again, I encourage you to go to mommylabornurse.com slash podcast and use the code podcast listener to save 20%. All right. So that is it for this episode of the Mommy Labor Nurse Podcast. You probably follow me on Instagram because that's probably where you came from. But if you don't, head over to Instagram and follow me at mommy.labornurse for more. That is certainly where I am most active. I also now have a separate Instagram for just this podcast, so I encourage you to follow my second account at mommylabornurse.podcast as well if you want podcast updates. Again, that is at mommylabornurse.podcast. As always, you guys know that I also have a website where I have tons of articles all about pregnancy, birth, breastfeeding, newborn stuff, and more at www.mommylabornurse.com. I want to hear more from you on how much you love this episode of the podcast or how you think I can improve. So leave me a comment on one of my pictures, send me a DM, or send me an email with all the love. All right, guys, I will see you same time, same place next week.